CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com You can also find me at AlanWattSentientSentinel.eu It is the 23rd of August 2007 Watching the latest fracas de rise farce 
concerning the integration of the Americas, which is going on in Quebec. As the leaders of the three main countries, the primary countries, sign further deals openly, really, semi-openly. Nothing is really open to the public. We get we get to see the icing outside. We don't see what's inside the cake. We're given pablum by the media to make us think, or not think at all, but to make us think, basically, that... Our managers are managing us very well, so don't think much about what they're doing. And we get these vague statements you'll hear in the upcoming recordings that were done in 2005, because the 2005 meeting was more openly pronounced as an integration of the Americas. The politicians themselves, and you'll hear this on the tapes coming up, apparently gave one set of facts to the public, as they always do, with the media's cooperation, yet the same media admits that off-camera it was far more intense. We get statements like, building on our strengths, which which is so vague and nonsensical that we're left hanging in the wind like like laundry. That's what it's like. We, We get these silly phrases as the politicians not even nimbly dodge around questions. We get pithy answers by perhaps third-rate politicians. They don't need first-rate politicians with quick wits anymore. We're so dumbed down and complacent. Now, the way it was presented in Canada in 2005, it started with an announcement on CBC News of the declaration by the Council on Foreign Relations concerning the fact that they were behind, supposedly behind, all the drafting of the legislation. The Council on Foreign Relations is an unelected body, a non-governmental body of men and women that belongs to the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which again is a non-democratic organization set up a hundred odd years ago to counter what was called democracy. The elites knew the peasants were getting rather uppity now that they had a little bit of learning and had access to a few books. They knew they were demanding rights and all this kind of stuff that the Chartist movement before that. Therefore, like the good elitists always do, and why shouldn't they? They've always been in charge. They thought they'd give you a show called democracy, where you can pretend to elect people and you'll pretend that you did elect these guys. The agenda steamrolls ahead because the Royal Institute for International Affairs would place their own men at the top. That's all you have to do with any group of people. In fact, they love large groups of people. That way one person at the top can rule over thousands or millions, since the millions don't think for themselves. Never underestimate the vast stupidity of great amounts of people.
This trick has been used over and over down through history. The Cecil Rhodes Foundation was another part of the same Royal Institute designed to take over the world's natural resources and train Rhodes scholars from all countries, including the United States, for global citizenship to push the whole coordinated effort to bring the world first into big trading blocks like Karl Marx talked about the three big trading blocks Europe, the Americas and the Pacific Rim area and even set up the Pacific Council for Relations another branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs to deal with the Far East They've been running this show for a long, long time, for over a hundred years, and the general public didn't know. Most of them still don't know, and sad to say, most of them will not care until it hits them personally. You'll hear a statement by William Weld, who's the ex-Massachusetts governor, who chaired this Council on Foreign Relations meeting, aired on television as the council for the first time, as their own council. And next to him was Manley, who was the deputy prime minister. He just left politics, and now he's sitting in his other chair as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Anywhere is in Canada, the Canadian Institute for International Affairs hat. In the States, it's the Council on Foreign Relations. When he goes to Britain, it's the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Every Commonwealth country has this department. If you want to find out who they are, contact the boys at the top, from the Prime Minister down to the top Privy Council, and you'll find them all stacked as members of this great worldwide Institute for International Affairs. They're all working on the same agenda for the same masters, and they lie happily to the public when they go into politics and guide you through the next phase and the next phase and then back into the Council of Foreign Relations or whatever else they want to call it because the, the hats are all really the same. It's the same organization. You'll hear terms, as I say, that are so vague by the politicians Concerning sovereignty, we all want to keep our sovereignty. Well, we heard all this as the United Europe. And the guys who kept signing the agreements would deny to the public that this meant complete integration. They have no problem lying because it's called the noble lie. You're just too dumb and stupid to see what's for your own good. That's what they say amongst themselves. We're treated like children, even the comments by the reporters to the public as they reinterpret what they're supposed to have said. You'll notice that after every politician speaks, you'll hear them reinterpreting what you just heard yourself. They talk like they're talking down to children. And essentially they are, because the general populace don't really listen consciously to anything. They're so dumbed down and overstuffed with entertainment and noise, and media, and ethereal voices that come via radio and television. They can't tell the difference between reality and fiction, most of them. 
and they can't and never will for the vast majority believe that you have such an incredible agenda steamrolling ahead I'm not talking just about the integration of the Americas if you hear listen to these tapes you'll hear them actually say it's going to be all of the Americas you'll hear that said if you listen intently The first speaker here is William Weld, who is the ex-Massachusetts governor. Here he is wearing his other hat for the Council on Foreign Relations chairman on a public declaration, the first public declaration that I've seen them as a body ever give, just before they turn to the Waco Conference these guys were on first to say the necessity of the, the basic integration of the Americas was their idea. They admit they are removed from power and that their plan in any event tends to ignore political reality. Our self-image is we're truth-tellers, telling the truth to policymakers, and we haven't always uh, dallied to count the potential political cost or difficulty. Still, it's a great, big, radical plan, and it's getting some attention, at least in Canada. The group of thinkers proposes a North America with unrestricted, streamlined freedom of movement across borders for its residents, integrated trade policy a la European Union, and harmonized visa and certain immigration regulations, merged law enforcement with full sharing of intelligence and information about foreign visitors, NORAD would be expanded beyond missile and air defense to maritime surveillance. And a shared energy strategy, a plank guaranteed to anger Canadian and Mexican nationalists if the other proposals don't. The three countries would jointly plan stewardship of fossil fuel reserves. Thank you very much. And, for good measure, John Manley added on full mobility of labor. Why would we not? in Canada want to invite the best and brightest who want to come and, and, uh, and work in our country and contribute to it to do so. The panel acknowledged that public opinion in Canada and Mexico is not overly warm towards the Bush administration. But, said Manley, it is important that we realize uh, where we are located in the world and where our interests are and that we need to pursue what I would call a, an exercise of mature sovereignty. Off-camera, the panel used starker logic. If there is ever another catastrophic attack here, and if for some reason Canadian or Mexican security is blamed, the border may slam shut and the economic damage would be incalculable. In a scenario like that one, says the panel, better that everyone's already in bed with one another. Neil McDonald, CBC News, Washington. Next to William Weld was Mr. Manley, who was the Deputy Prime Minister for Canada and just left politics to wear his other cap for the same Council on Foreign Relations, which is the Royal Institute for International Affairs. The reporter for the CBC was Halton deal that calls for sweeping coordination of security, economic, and health issues. 
unsealed document and their Mexican counterpart, Vicente Fox. The leaders gathered today for a summit at Bush's Texas ranch. They signed a deal for even closer cooperation. Then they downplayed their differences. They were also careful to portray themselves on friendly terms. But critics point out the three amigos can at times have competing agendas, and that may affect any promises of increased cooperation. The CBC's David Holton reports. An invitation to the ranch, George Bush's way of showing that his guests are friends, that he holds no grudges over past disagreements. Bush, Paul Martin, and Mexican President Vicente Fox strolled together, lunched together, and appeared to get on well enough for Martin to say he's ready to hold their next summit at his farm in Quebec. Are you inviting the two presidents to yours? I certainly would. Earlier at a joint news conference in Waco, Bush said the partnership with Canada and Mexico is strong. There are going to be disagreements and differences. And the fundamental question is, do we have the capacity to continue moving forward with, with the relationship? And the answer is absolutely. The proof, Bush said, is the leader's agreement today to strengthen the North American economy and tighten border security. Among many commitments, the leaders agreed to cut red tape that hurts trade, move people and cargo over their borders more efficiently, and coordinate strategies to deal with terrorism. What we're really talking about here is not a big bang. We're talking about big progress. Bush said the agreement won't lead to a European-style union, but should be expanded into a wider partnership with all of Latin America. I see one based upon free trade that would then entail commitment to markets and democracy, transparency, rule of law. For his part, Martin was careful to protect his political flanks at home. He complained about hostile U.S. trade actions and said he won't change his mind about staying out of BMD, the U.S. missile defense program. On BMD, uh, the file is, uh, is closed, uh, but our cooperation in terms of defense, in terms of the, our, our borders, in terms of the defense of our common uh, frontiers is, um, is, very, is, is not only very clear, uh, but it is, a, it, it is being accentuated. Later at a news conference, Martin said Canadian independence will in no way be compromised by the new agreement. None of the three countries. Um, wants to uh, wants to surrender uh, sovereignty. Um, what we want to do is to build um, on our existing strengths. Martin also dismissed criticism in some Canadian business circles that today's agreement is too timid and won't be carried through. He said the three leaders have agreed to hold these summits more frequently to ensure the commitments are kept and that the new partnership makes a real difference. David Halton, CBC News in Waco, Texas. This clip is from the same day, CTV News, Tom Clark reporting. You'll hear the techniques and disgust of the integration under various guises and obfuscation. At the end, Robert Fife is a reporter who leaves us with the opinions we're supposed to be left with. Including border security and trade. I see one based upon free trade. But what will it mean for this country's sovereignty? Sec. Good evening. It seemed like a big job trying to reshape a continent in one day. But tonight, the leaders of Canada, the U.S., and Mexico claim that's what they've done. Today, at a Texas summit, they signed a deal on continental cooperation that covers a lot. Everything from border security to food packaging. 
13 subjects in all, noting there will always be differences, but it is the strength altogether that counts. CTV's Washington Bureau Chief Tom Clark is following this story from Waco, Texas tonight. Tom? Well, Lloyd, you could hardly call them the three amigos. These leaders have had problems with one another, but they knew that to move forward, they'd have to put the past behind them. Eyeball to eyeball, for the first time since the fallout of Canada's rejection of missile defense, Martin and Bush tried to defuse the controversy. I, I'm amazed that we don't have more sharp, whatever you call them, disagreements. Are there differences of opinion? Of course there have. There have been throughout our history, and there will be uh, in the future. Um, on BMD, uh, the file is, uh, is closed. One file firmly closed, but another opened. A new North America. Just a few examples. A common policy on border security, creating in effect Fortress North America. Common regulations on goods and products. For example, the same rules on what goes into a frozen pizza in all three countries. And even a common policy on how to handle the outbreak of infectious diseases. How much is this partnership a first step towards continental integration? What we're really talking about here is not a big bang. We're talking about big progress. What kind of union might there be? I see one based upon free trade that would then entail commitment to markets and democracy, transparency, rule of law. But the very use of the word union had the prime minister on the defensive. Later in the day, he denied that the plan means handing powers to Washington. All three sovereign nations, and we made it very clear, um, are very jealous of their sovereignty. But we also recognize that that sovereignty will be much, much stronger if North America is competitive. <laughs> a relaxed stroll after lunch at the Bush Ranch hides the fact that these are three leaders in a hurry. The European and Asian economies are quickly closing in on North America. And then there's politics. President Fox is soon to retire. President Bush is in his last term. And Paul Martin faces an uncertain political future, which is why their officials have been given just three months to draw up a roadmap. As he always does when he meets President Bush, Paul Martin brought up the issue of softwood lumber, and as always, there appears to be no solution on the horizon, indicating perhaps that it's a lot easier to talk about visions of the future than it is to deal with the problems of the present. Lloyd? Thank you, Tom. CTV's Tom Clark. And with me from Waco, Texas tonight, where he's been following events of this day, our Ottawa Bureau Chief, Robert Fife. Bob, let's you and I move straight to the big picture. What are the advantages for Canada in all of this? Lloyd, I think Canadians have to look at what are the disadvantages of not joining a continental economic union. North America is facing stiff competition from the fast-growing economies of China and India, as well as the European Union. If we want to maintain our high standard of living, then we have to form a competitive economic block. Do Canadians really care, for example, how much cheese goes into a Canadian frozen pizza? This is about expanding NAFTA, creating prosperity, and making us more competitive. But you know there are going to be concerns raised about sovereignty, so how do Canadians maintain independence and go ahead with this? Look, Canada joined NAFTA, our trade doubled, 87% of our exports went to the United States, Yet we still did not join the war in Iraq. We did not join the U.S. missile defense system. Take the European Union, for example. Great Britain joined the war in Iraq. To me, there's nothing new in this. I've known Yet this before I came to North America. Great Britain or France have lost their sovereignty.
Well, in any case, the North American leaders seem determined to move quickly. They're asking for responses within 90 days. The rationalizations that they published, read mainly by their lower helpers, in fact, and bankers and so on, to justify the need to integrate. You'll also hear the number 13 points. Just like the American Revolution couldn't start, there were 13 states. Unlucky for some, eh? Back to the Knights Templars. There's nothing new under the sun except that the propaganda is becoming very childish. In fact, I was trying to think where I'd heard this kind of talk-down-to-child-type propaganda and I realized it was from the Soviet Union. That's exactly how the Politburo and the good paternal fraternity at the top talked down to the people, as though it was a sort of kindly grandpa talking down to the child. That's how we're treated today. They know at the top they don't have to deal with intellect. They know that most people don't care. They know that people who live and die till they're 80 or 90 today are generally as immature as a person who's 10 years of age. It's a sad comment to make, but it's true. We've been drugged, we've been inoculated, our food has been so heavily tampered with, I'm surprised that any of us are still walking around at all, in whatever shape we're in, never mind thinking clearly at all. We've been under attack for a long time. Now, these are the same groups that want to reduce the population. It's the same groups who think, mind you, these workers that you'll hear on the tape, they think they're all going to get saved themselves because they're so important. Well, perhaps as you start thinking and rethinking the agenda, because once they start reducing the population and drugging them even more intensely from the air, as they're doing, as they whack us with this aerial spraying every day worldwide, this big Wizard of Oz act in the sky. We won't need all these helpers anymore, will we? We won't need the politicians to lie to us and con us. So what good are they going to be to their masters? And they never learn this down through history. They're the first to get to get wiped out themselves when they have no purpose. Because their masters believe in total efficiency. And if we go by the Soviet Union which is really a model for the whole planet. We find that everybody who worked for the Politburo and all the bureaucrats were more heavily spied upon than the average peasant. Nothing has changed. It was the same in the West, always has been. They've got to know how everyone is thinking that works for them. They have to know how predictable they are. They don't want people with a little bit of knowledge spilling some of those beans down to the public. These tapes were recorded in March 2005. As I say, opened by a statement when the Council on Foreign Relations with the big CFR banner behind them all, as he sat behind all these desks, came out for the first time as a body not just as one person as an advisor to... Now, most folk have, have seen this on television, a member of Council on Foreign Relations advising someone during a newscast. And you're, you're meant to 
think that this is some kind of official government body, but it's not. It's no more federal than the Federal Bank or Federal Express. It's a non-governmental body, but it's a parallel government. This is the parallel government that Margaret Thatcher talked about in her world tour which was entitled The New World Order. To reiterate, they claimed a long time ago that democracy was just too slow for progress because all those little psychopathic politicians at the bottom couldn't get anything done as their egos clashed and they all tried to get some status over society. They are right about that at the top. They are better psychopaths and they understand the psychopathic nature. They understand the lesser ones very well. They'd do the same themselves if they had to start all over again. But they do realize that all the bickering and fighting and the scandals that goes on doesn't help them get their big plan out through. They are the great builders at the top. They've always been to massive building projects. Even when the Romans came into Britain, and forced their money system on them for a little while before they pulled out again. The whole idea was to tax it all back and then use the labour, or slave labour, to build big cities. And roads, roads are very essential. The Romans built roads everywhere, huge roads, generally very straight, so they could move their armies quickly from one place to the next. Uh, This is now called the Rapid Deployment Forces technique, and they need the big NAFTA highways for what's coming up in the next 20 odd years according to the Department of Defense they know there's going to be riots on a massive scale because the standard of living is to drop is to plummet like a stone that's why the Department of Defense sees nothing but chaos and uprisings and sporadic flash mobs as they call them probably flash mobs when they're all standing outside the store looking for some kind of brown paper bag of rice just like the Soviet Union used to do and they find out there's no more rice left and after waiting for six or seven hours they close the doors that that's the sort of thing they're, t- they're envisaging for the coming future the idea was to create a European trading block and at the same time be setting up the Far East to take over the industry of the West as that was happening they were to start integrating the Americas the plan was slightly different from the America for the Americas because they alter it slightly for different cultures and personality types and histories in the US especially they give them a slightly a higher standard of living for a couple of generations and in amongst that standard of living was the thought that they had rights they knew there'd be resistance if they openly came out and integrated so they had to couch it in, in different terms but mainly that to get a cause a, a big overriding cause that would terrify us so that they could rush ahead and integrate were occupied with this other cause this other thing, it's called terrorism that's why it happened in 2001 
to kick all of this off. And people think that the project for the new, new American century was a new idea dreamed up by the, the new conservatives, the neocons, the new con, as opposed to the old con. But that's nonsense. Because Kipling, when he read his poem in the Senate, was sent over on behalf of the Royal Institute for International Affairs to tell them that they were taking over. It was their job to take over and push the rest of the agenda through. The U.S. was already chosen to take over and supply the manpower, the financing, the tax base, the weapons base from Britain to be the policeman of the world. This is a hundred years ago. We must remember that we are being managed. We tend to forget that fact. We give our will to people when we vote for them. You're voting for someone you don't know at all. You're voting for someone who belongs to organizations you never even think to ask of with other agendas. You vote thinking you're going to have something for nothing, which is what socialism has always been about. Promises, promises. The poor man's lotto. That's what voting is. But it's essential to have the public vote to keep the con game going. And in this legal system, this strange psychological prison that we live in of politics and voting, we don't know what to do when we find the leaders take off in some direction, obviously pre-planned, because they can't move quickly on anything by themselves. It takes lots of planning and cooperation and drafting of bills and rules and regulations when they take it off in some plan in a coordinated fashion. We don't know what to do about it, except let's wait till they're finished and we'll get the next bunch in and this bunch out. That's what you do in democracy. You vote the present bunch out because you're so sick of them and you try something else. This is so simple. And yet, these people at the top who are good shepherds. I mean, a shepherd is supposed to be friendly to the sheep, so they must be made to appear friendly to the sheep. They'll say what you want to hear. Very simple. And they promise everything, but they don't have to fulfill anything. Something that was discussed widely in the 1950s and 60s. In various books, they don't, the public don't even need them to fulfill promises anymore, as long as they at least vocalize the fact that they understand what your problems are. Of course they understand what your problems are because their predecessors made it so. They made the problems occur. They're all in this together. When one leaves, the next one takes over. Jefferson mentioned this. When you see an agenda unfurl between the different houses of Congress, parties moving in, parties moving out, the same agenda moving forward, then you will know you're under at secret tyranny. 
Yet for our whole lives We have been And so were your parents And so were their parents Because we never really had What we thought was anything called democracy The reason they gave anything to the public On a social basis Was partly to contain the problems Of this dysfunctional society Under some kind of tissue paper Or band-aid Such as giving the disabled The most minimal payment You could possibly imagine They don't want beggars in the streets They don't want crippled people in the streets We'd have some conscience at the bottom As we kept falling over them So they they tucked them away And gave them a pittance to live in And they call this humanity We're also taught to to love this, this system They brainwash children at school To sing national anthems and things And put their hand over their heart Just like the Egyptians were trained to do A long time ago Yet if you stand back and think about it What is humane in the system We're conned our whole lives long The media, as I keep telling people Is an essential part of the con In conology, you need the media To give us our opinions That's their job They're between the big boys and you That's why they're in the middle The middlemen, they peddle you nonsense And they know that they're doing it too And they also In their own petty fashion At their own level Believe they are more elites than the general public Because why they're in the know (laughs) The snobbishness In the egos Of the Little pretentious people On this planet Down through millennia Are preposterous Little strutting beings with their egos and their ambitions as they train us all to compete, compete, compete with each other and that's why they call it the human race and the races were taught to compete competition and the game is rigged the game is rigged because it's a psychopathic system run by psychopaths who don't blush when they lie to whole populations on television. That's, uh, you might call it a, a strange gift the psychopath has. They don't get embarrassed as we do because their ego is a super ego and they must save it at all costs. For the European Union, when the leaders would meet together to sign the next part of the integration and lie to the public, they had the same absurd, obfuscating terminology of closer ties and strength through unity and independence through unity uh, and all this nonsense and sovereignty through unity. Same double speak. That throws the average Joe And this is true, they're trained this way The average Joe is trained to accept it this way It throws him off kilter So he stops thinking In fact he doesn't think very deeply you see So he stops thinking at all about it The topic is out of his mind It's gone 
But for those who understand and can think through it all, it sounds absurd. Because it is absurd. It's double-speak. They're going to build on their strengths, they say. Well, what does that mean, build on what strengths? Define strengths. They don't define it to you. You'll hear at the end, the reporter from the City TV, Robert Fife, giving the summary as to why really this is all a good thing. He probably belongs to the Council on Foreign Relations too. Or else he wants a seat on it because you can't apply for a job there, you see. For membership, you've got to be asked. You prove your worth. And they're on about, gee, well, Europe's there and we can't compete with you. We've got to compete with Europe. And then when they've united Pacific Rim region under a super parliament, well, we'll all have to compete with them. And it's a race to the bottom of competition as your wages go down and down and down. Obviously, obviously, because you can't compete and turn out a product for the same price as China. So where do you go from there? Down, huh? There's no other option. The world is to be standardized, new global plantation. Then tidy humans that live all over the place are going to be herded into the big sheep pens, the habitat areas, which isn't surprising because, you see, they used the Europeans to clear the Americas and put the American Indians in reservations. Now that the job is done and you've no more purpose coming up shortly, they're going to herd us all into the new reservations for white people and all other colours, and they're called they're called habitat areas. Same thing, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And just like the American Indians, the conditions will go down and down and down, and the death rate will go up which is all part of the policy because the boys at the top base everything around economics and efficiency. And this present society with its glut of credit cards is a temporary little society with its temporary pleasures so that you'll be stuffed full of playing yourself forever as all this rushes forward before they pull the plug on your fun and games and start pulling in the credit cards and cutting you off. We're treated like children. And we adapt to the treatment like children. Those with eyes to see have noticed the building up of massive internal armies in every country, under many names and guises, for over 20 years. All being prepared for something that's going to come down the pike, something unpleasant. Not because the elite put anything down to chance, far from it. You see, they know what they're going to pull step by step on the general population of the world in fact and they know the reactions 
from the different segments of society. And they're all ready for it. That's why they know. That's why the Department of Defense, look at my website under the article section, that's why they mention chaos for the next 25, 30 years. We're trained to stop our cars with the, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving fiasco. It's all to train you to accept being stopped for no reason by the authorities. Now it's coming up to checkpoints for terrorism. And people are accepting that as normal because we adapt very quickly the most adaptable species on the planet. If there's a prayer that the elites say at all to their deity or themselves, it's that one, thank goodness the people are so adaptable. The elite will trigger sporadic events when it suits them to get the backlash they want to get the next part of the chess game rolling forward because that's all it is it's a big chess game with the population who don't even know they're on the board there are different segments of society different people who are waking up at different stages some get stuck at one stage and can't go any further because to face it is horrific. It's a, it's a horrific thing to wake up out of the dream into the nightmare for most people. You can't close that box again, that lid. You can't close it. And it's not easy to become a stranger amongst your own people when you know things and they don't and they don't want to know. But many people get stuck on, we can save this, we can save that, we can keep this, keep that. The elite gave us the cultures that preceded this particular one at the moment, this techno-electro culture. They have decided they are changing their system because they have no more use for the old one. They are the master builders. They build societies and cultures and knock them down when they're building a new one. You demolish the old to bring in the new. And demolish means flattening completely. We're hearing terms used today concerning terrorism, little PR blurbs put out by the Pentagon and other major Department of Defense spokespersons, people who trained and parroting what think tanks have dreamed up in little catchphrases and little statements. As they change their their sights, they turn their sights on some other target and and we adapt to it so quickly that we forget who we were fighting before. This is what Orwell talked about in nineteen eighty four, who we who we're at war with today. It happens so easily and swiftly that most people don't don't remember who they initially were at war with at all. 
when 9-11 happened, the following day, Brzezinski, of all people, spoke out on national television saying it was Ben Laden. But he was telling that before even the dust settled. It was Ben Laden from Afghanistan. He was in Afghanistan. So we all went to war, supposedly, with Afghanistan. The caveman. We were hunting a caveman in Afghanistan. Two years later, major polling survey companies released their, their polls and admitted that the press themselves had done such a good job on convincing the peoples, mainly of the Americans, the U.S. citizens, that Saddam Hussein was behind it in Iraq. And the public couldn't remember anything about Afghanistan. That's how easily they can move you from one target to the next without you noticing. Are we fighting East Asia or West Asia today? Perfidious England, as Napoleon called them, who made treaties and alliances and broke them just as quickly in a strange game called the Balance of Power, where they'd build up an inferior country against a superior. They'd arm them to the teeth and have a war going until the inferior country became the superior country And once that happened, they'd find another inferior one to take down the new superior country. That's what he was talking about. And the U.S. has taken over long ago the same formula because all the boys at the top of the U.S. work for the same organization, the same global organization based out of London and New York. I don't know if there are many pygmies left in the world, but I'm surprised because if there are, they could make them the deadliest enemy we ever saw in our whole lives. Quite simply. And not even blink when they gave you the propaganda to do with it. And sad to say, the public would accept it. We have insults to our intelligence on a daily basis even in this little tape tonight's tape from the 2005 integration signing treaty you'll hear Mr. Martin next Prime Minister of Canada who by the way just walked into that job taken over from Cretien who retired But before he did that, Mr. Martin left politics for about eight months. And he was a lifelong politician, always near the top. And that's all you needed, the ones at the top are your men. Like Professor Carl Quigley talked about in his book Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment. Mr. Martin worked for the United Nations during that period. Then he walks back from the United Nations and becomes Prime Minister again. You'll hear him saying during this little clip from the conference that Canada had some differences and you'll notice that we, we are not in Iraq, for instance. Well, he, he probably forgot to say no because our job was to go into Afghanistan and Canada is still policing Afghanistan. This is how, this is how they treat us like children. 
with pseudo-misleading statements, half-truths and big lies, and vague comments like strength through power and power through strength and all that rubbish. War is peace, peace is slavery. We're watching the techniques, we're listening to the techniques, we hear them being dinned into our ears by the propagandists. For the average Joe, it wouldn't matter what's said around them as long as they can get up the next day and go to whatever employment they're at and come back and play. The sun's out, it must be normal. They don't notice the big net that's been spread around them and under them and above them that's slowly being tightened. The only antidote to the system is something called humaneness as opposed to the psychopathic system we're in or the one antithesis of it which would be force which they want because all you get then are the next bunch of psychopaths taken over always using the same system again you cannot use the monetary system and get anything clean from it it will always reassert itself into the same corruption of con men and those who wink and joke towards each other in front of the herds of the public as they like to call the people I told people years ago on the radio that if you are silly enough to vote and give authority over yourself to these people you better demand and find out who these people are and what organizations they belong to what organizations they have given oaths to and all the various Masonic institutions that they belong to and secret societies or societies with secrets as I like to call them not the bottom level characters that really disjoin a club no different from Christians going to church they want to belong to a social club with similar customs and topics if you go above the low level ranks and to the higher ones the ones with ambitions the ones who make their money and their, their livelihood through conning and charging big fees for doing so you'll find they all belong to these organisations empire clubs round tables that was a Lord Alfred Milner Society that merged with the Cecil Rhodes Society which became the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Council of Foreign Relations you must do your homework and it doesn't take much of a search even over recent history to find out the directions that these characters have been guiding us along
for the last hundred odd years, you can go much, much further back for sure. But at least know what's been happening in the last century and why. The prospect of the future is not good. Should these guys pull off their stunts in this age of chaos? Because you bring the biggest changes at the end of an age by causing complete and utter chaos and fear and terror using standard techniques of plague, famine, warfare. Now they've added their machinery to it, their high-tech weaponry of weather manipulation and warfare and earthquakes and so on. All stuff in the HARP Treaty, the Weather Warfare Treaty signed at the United Nations in the 1970s. Look it up for yourselves. Don't ask me to do it for you. At the end of an age, they foster something which has worked at the end of every other age, according to the histories. And that's the new age. What we call the new age is nothing new at all. It's the same old stuff of channeling narcissistic behavior. And narcissism works very well with a lot of the new agers or the me generation. They bring in the same old techniques over and over and bizarre, bizarre movements that, that can actually lead vast bodies of people, those on the fringes, into a form of mental collapse eventually as they search for ways out of the predicaments they're in through either a deity saving them or becoming a god themselves and saving themselves or walking through portals into other dimensions and all the other stuff that's promoted the same stuff that's been promoted in the last ages at the ends of them why change the formula when it worked before there's no need to in fact you emulate it you bring it all back and promote it you teach people that nothing at all is real and therefore just like many of the Hindus of India they allow things to happen to them especially the lower orders if nothing's real then why worry about it even when you're being killed off or your families are being killed off it's all illusions right People's hearts will fail them. Hmm? Same old stuff down through the ages. For fear. We have been studied like laboratory rats for thousands of years. Every thing in life that we think, feel, is torn apart and critically analysed and retested over and over again so that the masters can have understanding of their prey. I once saw 
a video of some people who were rounded up by the Nazis on which looked like a, a factory type of background, muddy muddy field outside factories and this one group were all huddled together with about two or three soldiers with rifles guarding them and this little officer yelled to them and picked maybe three or four at a time and they'd run they told them to run to this trench where they did, they ran and jumped in the trench where they stood rock still and they were shot in the back of the head then he got another three or four or five and tell them to do the same now those in the main group saw this happening and yet they obeyed and obeyed to the very end they even ran when they were told to run to their deaths the art of obedience why does it work so well even when it's obvious to someone on the sidelines watching they're going to their death the reason is that the more you're taught that you live in a high advanced society and culture your mind will be unable to accept that this unthinkable thing is actually happening right to the bitter last split second you will refuse to believe it and that's why you'll run this was studied even thousands of years ago and that's why they know at the top it works and these records are kept in archives and taught to the higher psychopaths that like to do the dirty deeds they get off on this kind of stuff or as I said in the communist society the slaughtering of millions is just historical necessity that's the same terminology that's used by the present bunch in the parallel government bringing the population down to a manageable level a necessary level an efficient level is just historical necessity and during this age of chaos when they bring all of this stuff on with more shouting at the moment than reality of wolf wolf but eventually they will bring the realities upon you outside of what they are doing which is the weather warfare and that's been obvious for years for anyone who wanted to think at all they will release a whole arsenal of things on the public and plagues of course is one of their prime topics even even H.G. Wells and a whole bunch of the promoters of this new system had talked about the necessity of bringing back new forms of the Black Death and, and so on to reduce the population Malthus talked about it in the 1700s has been reiterated by many of them since then and right down to the present even David Suzuki with his open statement on national television this geneticist who fronts for the World Wildlife Fund talked about the necessity of bringing down the population by three quarters or so to save the earth you understand and as devils speak for themselves because they believe they receive all the resources what's left for themselves and their own offspring 
since they are the superior breed. And we saw this portrayed through a predictive programming movie, amongst many other movies, called Deep Impact. The scenario there was, oh, a big meteorite was flying towards Earth, and it's going to smash into Earth and and kill all life on the planet. So the after after the usual drama and the hero stuff, it's went off to try and break it up into smaller parts. They went through the process, which they will do for plagues, etc. It's already planned out of who will be saved in underground bunkers and shelters with its own air supplies and filters, etc. And in the movie, you'll see all, all the essential people were saved first, only logically so, isn't that right? And eventually the seats that were left in the bunker as well will put out a, la- a lotto, a national lotto for the public, a world lotto, because that's what the public get are lottos and scratch and wins. Then those who didn't get the lotto, well, they just sat peaceably and combed their hair as they were dying and this kind of stuff. That's how we're supposed to behave when all this breaks out. On cue, of course. Not easy to understand all this or accept it. Because we are talking about the unthinkable. Yet we have to, we have to face it. To thwart it. And to let these guys know that we know all about them. We know all about their tricks. And their plans and agendas. We've read their books. The decision for humanity is up to humans. Many will decide not to know. That is a choice. But in reality, deep down, they do know. That is also their choice. These are Symptoms talked about thousands of years ago under collective sins and all this kind of stuff. Many different names given to the same phenomena. And yet the world has often been guided from disaster by a few who say the right things and do the right things at the right times and point a different way out of it than the dialectic the problem being the different way out of it is so foreign to our conditioning that most people would never go for it now those who have been following me for a while know that I am not out there to sell, sell, sell all the products made by the hands of men. I sell a few books and a few DVDs and CDs to take over by. I also accept the donations which keeps me going too because I could certainly be writing a lot more if I wasn't doing all the talks 
But at this time that we're in, at the moment, it's imperative to spread the word as fast as possible. Because any suffering that's happening at the moment is nothing to the suffering that is planned. And they have planned to contain it too as it all goes down. including the propaganda that will go with it to keep everyone passive as they whimper themselves into the ground. There's a lot of good people in the world and there's a lot of caring people, but they're outnumbered by the vast majority who don't care. And I keep telling people it's not a matter of numbers. As I say, it's the few it's a few people who can change the direction that we're going along. This dog-eat-dog competitive psychopathic system which we can either go along with to the bitter end even though we know the writing on the wall and what the ending is. Or we can try and find a better way and that's the decision we all have at the moment. And the better way starts with discussion amongst people and friends. There are many little seminars across the world now bringing this kind of topic out and at least vocalizing it. And that's how everything starts, is with speaking, speaking it out into existence. And discussions begin. From myself and Hamish in Ontario, Canada, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you.
Does it feel the same When she calls your name Somewhere deep inside You must know I miss you But what can I say Rules must be obeyed Shake my hand I apologize If it makes you feel bad Seeing me so tense No self-confidence But you see The winner takes it 